Welcome to episode 7 of Spotlight, a show where I speak to some of South Africa's biggest creators and today I am joined by fellow Playlist Studio podcaster and South Africa's Wonder Woman, Sam Tech Girl, right? Hi there Sam, welcome and how are you doing today? Thank you. I love that you just called me Wonder Woman because she's one of my favorite superheroes. So I'm, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take yes. it. <laughs> really, I'm so excited to be speaking to you today. And I guess I'm just going to start at the beginning. Um, what is the origin of your story of Tech Girl SA? I wish it was as cool as a superhero story. Uh, but it's not. Um, I worked as a journalist and I had an interest in tech. Uh, I played games since I was a kid. And then I left for a very serious corporate job and I was feeling very, I suppose, creatively stifled in the corporate job. I'm like quite a quirky personality and like a little bit of a city style. And at that, at that stage, blogs had started to come into existence. And I used to get frustrated with the stuff I was writing for other websites because I was like, it's just the same old, same old. And one of my friends said to me, why don't you, you know, you always, because I'd make jokes. We'd go out and I would, I remember the once, and this is actually where Tickle came from. We were we were all having some, some cocktails at a hotel bar on the rooftop. It was all very cool. And I started joking around about phones because everyone's phones were on their desk, uh, on the table. And I said, you know, we should, before we buy phones, we should do the smartphone. I called it the, the skinny jeans smartphone bum test, oh, yeah. which was Phones don't fit in your back pockets if you're wearing skinny jeans and then they're too big. So I started jumping around the table, showing them with all the different phones. And one of my friends was like, you should 100% because it's, it's funny, but it's also like, because I do want to know which phone fits in my pocket. And I, I thought she was city and I told her she was city. And then I was sitting at work the next day and I was like, wait, maybe this could be fun. And that was literally what, what, started Techgirl yeah. which was just meant to be a, a technology blog for women uh, and then over time it just started becoming I mean I had we were writing and we were trying to be like a serious media publication and I had some of my friends writing and then over time it just became me typing away at my thoughts then videoing my thoughts and then it, it kind of just became more me just sharing stuff I liked silly things um, and then obviously my love for gaming when I eventually got brave enough to talk about that publicly. So yeah, it's a pretty boring origin story. I try to make it more interesting than what it was, but now that I'm saying it, I'm like, eh, it's fine. I think to you maybe, cause you know, you're, you're living your life, but when someone else hears it, even me, for example, I think it's wonderful. Um, and even I get like little chills. I'm like, wow, it's that little moment you had, you know, that kind of just got things going, got the snowball rolling into what it is today. It's always the smallest little moments that just start something so big and amazing. And next thing I wanted to actually ask is about, you know, your esports um, and how you got into that. And you said, you know, you've always been into gaming. Um, how did this, you know, work its way into um, your content and you going into the esports? So gaming, I've gamed since I was a kid. My brother was a competitive Dota player. My dad played games the whole time we were growing up. He was a big nerd. Um, so we were always encouraged to play. I think I learned how to use the internet because he encouraged us, which he really shouldn't. And any parents listening, don't do this. Not especially now. I mean, this was when the, the, I'm going to reveal my age, but early days of the internet. Like he encouraged us to go on the internet and find cheats for Mortal Kombat. He encouraged me to go learn how to download mods for The Sims. I think I was 12. And I was building websites by myself, like in, in something called GeoCities. 
So we were always online. But the, the thing about gaming is that, it's, I mean, especially when I was younger, it wasn't cool. Like anyone who played games was a super nerd. And if you were a girl playing games, it was just trouble. So I never really spoke about it publicly. Um, I had a friend, his name's Marco Cocomelo. He actually owns a, a and runs a gaming site called Glitch now. He wanted to write gaming content and was getting frustrated because he was getting pitched by a lot of the, the local publications. So I said to him, I'll give him some cash. He can write gaming on my page because I don't want people to know that I'm gaming because I just feel like I was scared. I was scared of the abuse because it is quite it can be quite toxic for women. So Marco was writing for Tickle. But ironically, um, I have a friend and mentor, Pippa Shabalala. She used to host a TV show called The Verge. Any gamers will immediately recognize her. She had started a magazine with some friends called Splice and she was looking for gaming writers. She knew that I played games and she was like, well, why don't you write? And also it was convenient because my byline would be at the front of the magazine. No one would know that it was my writing because I would be doing shorter reviews. So I actually wrote for her for a while, um, quite happily, when no one knew it was me. And then eventually between Pippa and Marco, I got brave, started writing about gaming. And then for me, I mean, I, like I said, I grew up with a competitive gamer in the house. His friends were always around at our house. And the esports thing just happened because all these like all these businesses started throwing money at esports and I was at an event and I saw one of my brother's one of my brother's friends who had played for years and was really really good his, his name is Ashton Goldsmuller and he was running around so hyped he was like this is it because obviously like at this stage all of, all of these pro players in esports were playing for keyboards you know if they were lucky and he was like this is it like this is going to be a legitimate thing like this is a career now and I was sad because I'd worked in media and I knew that while that particular event was really fun with all the bright lights, tomorrow everyone's forgotten and moved on to the next thing. And I don't know, I suppose I don't want him to know this because I feel like it'll give him too much ammunition. But I feel like I there was there was a moment where I didn't want Ash to be wrong um, and I didn't want him to be let down. So I, the next day, started writing about how I was going to start doing content around South African esports. And at that stage, there were very few people doing that. I started taking a camera to events. I started vlogging all of those events. They're really bad videos. Like I've got some horrible videos that I've now taken off my YouTube because I was so embarrassed by them. Um, I think I did one like the most eligible bachelors in South African esports. And they were, no offense to any of the players on there, but they were definitely not eligible bachelors. I mean, what I was thinking, but that's where I, I'm really sorry, Jens. You know, I love you all. I actually, I'm really good friends yeah. with all of them. So if they ever watch this, I'll be very unhappy. Um, but yeah, and then from there, someone saw me. And the truth is, I, I'm well aware of this, and I've accepted it. They did not have diversity on on their esports stages. They had all these shark casters, and they were all white men. Someone from one of the agencies saw me running around with a camera. I was not qualified to do the job, but came and said, "Well, let's put you on a stage and give you a mic." They happened to put me on a stage at the biggest gaming expo of the year, next to a very well-known international shoutcaster who they'd flown out from the UK. And again, completely not qualified to be there. Well aware that I was the token woman hire. I just so happened, I like to believe now, the moment I got there, I met with Red Eye, who was the, the celebrity from overseas on the stage. The day before I sat down, I said, I don't know what I'm doing, help me. And he did the whole way through the weekend. And that was it. So after that, I mean, he then told me that if I was serious about it and I was willing to put in the work, um, he had helped me. He flew back to the UK. I reached out to him online. We spent uh, a good few weeks backwards and forwards, him being very critical of some of my work, making me very sad, but helping me improve. And then next thing, he, he had an overseas agency. He offered to help find me some work. And before I knew it, I was flying to Germany to do my first 
international gig. And that was it. It became a career after that. So it was very much a matter of like right time, right place and taking advantage of an opportunity that I think I could have got upset about uh, being the diversity hire. But at the time, I just realized, you know what, I'm not happy that I'm the diversity hire. But if I do something with this, I can make sure that, you know, we, we open doors for, for more women and we show that we can do this. So yeah, that was, that's the short version of, of esports. It doesn't feel short because I spoke a lot there. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, this, this reminds me of something I always believe in and that everything happens for a reason, like really. Um, but also if you didn't have that like amazing skill and presence to do this, you know, I don't think, you know, it would have you know gotten to where i mean today. you say so, that I, i'm gonna really interrupt you said i was trash when i started like i know i've i was horrible yeah. i should not i was i i have watched some of my stuff and just been like who let you anywhere near a microphone um oh, man. But we all suck when we start that's the point right you got to fall forward and learn that's the thing i mean even me when i look back at my old content and things because i do beauty content and i mean when i started i mean i I still I don't have any actual training and qualifications um, I'm actually a microbiologist by profession but yeah I'm doing beauty content and when I started you know everything was self-taught and looking back I'm like wow what on earth was I doing how did I think I you know my videos and like yeah. but now you know um, it's slowly improved over time and things so I think we all just cringe at our, our old content when we're starting. We're all very overcritical of it, but an audience viewing it would be like, wow. I don't is, know you so say great. that. I mean, the, or the esports audience was not very welcoming when I started. They, I think my first gig, that gig I told you about, they, they at one point they made up a nickname for me, which was Cringe Girl, um, because that's how bad it was. Yeah. I, oh, I had man. To, it's funny now oh, though because there is like some OG like there's OG <laughs> people in the community who'll come into like international broadcast something on and they'll spam cringe call in the chat. But like it's meant as a term of endearment because obviously it's like we were there in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then people in the chat will get upset and there'll be a whole fight in the Twitch chat because someone will be like, she's not cringe. And they're like, you don't understand. It's like our thing. We call it cringe call. She's not cringe. And then there'll be a whole fight and I'll just be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's cool, though. Um, the next thing I want to speak about is, you know, your website and your blog, which is, wow, it's absolutely fantastic. Like, wow. Um, and, you know, you're always keeping up on, like, the trends and stuff. So what kind of inspires you, um, helps you get on all these trends? I don't know. I don't know if anything inspires me. I think it's just stuff I find interesting. Like I'm a curious human being by nature. Um, I like to ask lots of questions. I love to read, which I know is like changing now because everyone's moving to like podcasts and video, but I love to read. So I spend so much time on the internet, like, and just finding myself in like weird places on the internet. And then I just see all of that stuff. And then those are just things I'm interested in. So like I try, especially, I mean, whether it be my social media or my, my blog, I try and always make it, which everyone tells you not to do this, by the way. So when you start, everyone says you must find your niche and that's where you must sit. You know what I mean? But I was in tech, then I, then I started doing gaming, then I started doing esports. And now, like, and then while I was doing all of that, I got, because I was on camera so much, I knew I was such a tomboy and I knew nothing about makeup. So I, uh, that became something that I became curious about and hey. And then I found all this cool, like techie related stuff to that. So I would kind of include that on the blog. And then I'd find geek stuff that I thought was really cool. Cause obviously I'm into fashion as well. Like I like cool, like I'm always wearing, I'm not wearing one today, but I'm normally always wearing a t-shirt with some sort of cartoon on it. 
So just got really into that. I love sneakers. I'm not a high heels girl. So like anything that I was interested in, I just start sort of writing about. And everyone tells you not to do that. And maybe I would have grown bigger if I just focused my niche. But those are just things that I'm interested in. And if I can find a way, and I do think that like it, it makes sense because people are multifaceted as well. So I hope that anyone who comes to my blog or to my Twitter or to my Instagram or to my podcast or to wherever, I'm hoping that they understand that it's more a reflection of who I am. And like, I'm not just a box that is esports or a box that is technology, but saying that every self-help thing you read on the internet about growing your brand and content creation tells you what I'm doing is wrong. So I don't care. This is fun. So I'm just going to keep doing it. I completely relate to you on that as well. I'd say my content is an extension of my personality and what I'm interested in. And again, even being in a completely different niche to you generally, um, the fact that we can still share that similarity of I, I put out what I enjoy. It, it is what it is. And it evolves over time as well. So onto your podcast, which is in the top 100 global podcasts and has active listeners in 52 countries. That is it's just amazing and such a great achievement for you. But um, what has this journey been like for you? This new journey of going into It's so into cool because I actually podcasting. only found those stats out like two hours before we did this interview. Um, Cause I was just, I haven't asked until now. So it's, it's still, I don't believe it. So I'm still sitting there being like, nah, uh, but yeah, the, the podcast thing, I love podcasts and I've been listening for a long time. I like a very specific style of podcast, which is more like a storytelling type of narrative. And I've been listening for a long time and I had all these ideas. There's so many more um, running around in my head. And then the folks that played the studios approached me because they'd been watching my Twitch streams where I was doing these, I was calling them tech or talk then where I just spoke about things for an hour on Twitch with viewers. And they said, you know, we could turn this into a podcast. And is this something you're interested in? And I don't know. I didn't, I didn't have faith in myself at the time. And I kind of was like, eh, we'll try. And we did season one and it did, it did really well. Um, but the problem was we were taking it live from Twitch having to try and edit it. And, and sometimes it lasts because Twitch is to a live audience. It, it loses a little bit of nuance. And then also there was a very specific style of talk that I wanted, like a, a podcast that I love. So when Play This said, why don't we renew for season two? I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this. Um, and I was a little bit scared because I had a very specific idea of what I wanted. But I thought, you know what, I'm just going, I'm going to do it. If it fails, it fails. But like, this is, I want to put everything into it. And I have loved every step of the process like it has been one of the hardest things I've ever worked on because I had this wish list of people that I wanted I had the 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 idea that I had around the narrative where it's not just like a, a Q&A interview obviously you have to prep so hard for an interview already but what I was going to do is do the interview so prep for the interview do the interview pre-record that then take that interview cut it so that I was out of it sit and write a narrative script which took me hours put in all the, the pieces of the interview and then re-record. So like one episode could take me between three to five hours at a time, um, which was, that's a lot of time to invest um, in something. But I just wanted to do it because it was fun and I loved the topics we were talking about. And season two has just been, it's something, I'm going to sound so soppy now. It's something that I'm so incredibly proud of. I don't, like, I wouldn't have cared if no one had listened because I was, so incredibly proud of every single episode that I put out I just felt like it was my best work um and I'm always it's a terrible 
terrible thing to admit publicly but I've always been of the and, and a lot of my team hates me for this but I'm always just like it doesn't matter if it's not perfect just get it out uh that was very different with season two of tackle talks uh, I think I re-recorded some of those episodes like four times because I was like it's not right it needs to be perfect so I've definitely found something I love to do and I'm hoping I've got so many ideas now so I'm hoping uh in 2022 we can explore some of them um because I think if I could just make podcasts all day I might just do that <laughs> Don't tell I'm, anyone, getting I'm getting excited listening to you speak because I can hear how excited you are you know with this and um you know, the, the, the change of, of attitude when it comes to, you know, working on your podcast compared to like some of your other content as well. I think that also just shows like how much you really are into this. But um, like I said before as well, we have quite different audiences. So can you tell like my audience what they can expect from your podcast content? Okay, cool. uh, before we do that, I should probably just, I do actually put 110% into everything I do um, because it sounded like I was basically like, oh, well, no, no, I just sorry, realized sorry. I made it sound like I don't care about anything. No, I mean, I do obviously take a huge amount of pride in all my work, but sometimes I'll just be like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Just get it up. Um, whereas with the podcast, I was like, no, this is my baby. Now we do this. It's going to deadlines be damned. Um, but yeah, so see, Tickle Talks is basically, it's specifically focused on the esports and gaming industries. So it really digs a little bit deeper into the conversations um, that maybe aren't being had in mainstream media. Because obviously, People who are like on Twitter and in the news and whatever, you'll see they say, oh, you know, like gaming's blowing up and you'll see the release of the latest FIFA. But what we want to do, what I wanted to do on the podcast was really dig a little bit deeper. So we have conversations like, you know, what it takes to actually be a gaming content creator on YouTube and Twitch. And I get to speak to the incredible Claire Siobhan. She's got more than a million subscribers on YouTube. She's probably one of the biggest gaming YouTubers, you know, in the world. Uh, chat to her. We also look at esports competitive gaming. So chat a little bit about what it actually takes to be an esports player. We get to speak to the first ever African FIFA player who qualified for the FIFA E World Cup. And then also things uh, a little bit more industry specific. So chatting about, you know, the production of how you produce a, a live esports event, why people watch them, why they don't watch them. And then far more serious issues as well, which were things that I really wanted to speak about so things like gaming addiction because that's become something that gets spoken about a lot these days and then the final episode of the, of the season is actually talking about representation in video games which is a conversation that I just don't think we publicly have enough um, conversations about so really just like anything around the industry so if you're passionate about esports and gaming or if you work in the industry it's really good but I also think that if you are someone who occasionally plays FIFA and are just curious about this crazy world you keep hearing everyone talk about. Uh, I think we give a more honest portrayal of, of the gaming industry as a whole. I hope we do. I try. So there we go. I think that's really amazing. And again, you know, I said I come from a very different content world to yours as well. And, you know, me, if I could say being an outsider, like you said, I hear all these things like, oh, no, gaming, esports is picking up and stuff. And then I think I'm like, but where? But how? I don't. I don't see these things. I don't exactly know where to go, how to just how to support and that type of thing. So I think your podcast, the information you're giving is really something that people like me need, you know, to to follow up on on this interest. Myself, I'd say I'm 
casual player at games. Currently, I just have a very, very, very big obsession with a game called Genshin. Impact. I know the game. Oh, I know the game. I, I haven't about. played it, but I have a lot of friends who are very similar to you. They're a little bit obsessed, so I, yeah. I understand. I haven't played it yet. Yeah, so, you know, I always try to keep up with information and streams and that type of thing. And once you start keeping up with one game, you kind of start, you know, seeing information and things about other games. And you start seeing a little bit about the esports, you know, Valorant and um, that type of stuff. But I, I was always curious as, as to what's happening with the whole esports scene, the gaming scene in South Africa, because it's so easy to find the international stuff, but you always wonder what's happening close to home. And there is things happening. It's just sometimes so hard to find yourself on that part of the internet, especially when you're not already it's like there. A very, it's a very, <laughs> South African esports is a weird one because it's a bit of a bubble. I feel like it's a little bit like, I don't think it really shares... I don't know. I just think it's really difficult to find and it's really hard to like get into. And I'm not sure why that is. Um, I've tried for years and I think I'd like to think I've done a good job of bridging the gap between sort of reaching to casual people and showing them esports. But yeah, we we have a lot of work to do on just getting more gamers because I think there's so many gamers in, in South Africa that and, and the world. They want to know more about South African gaming and esports, but for some reason can't find us. So we just got to work a little bit harder. I think that's what that's. That's my message to the industry. We need to work harder. Um, and then onto your, your YouTube channel as well, which has had amazing success. But um, how's that journey been for you? So YouTube's been tough for me. I mean, I think for me, YouTube is, it's one of those things where you have to like commit a lot of time, right? And resources. And I, I go through these stages where like, every six months I'm fully committed and then I'm over it. I think YouTube is a, a special beast. I actually have an episode on the podcast where we talk about this um, with Claire. I like YouTube. I like it more for me, just putting up my memories. Um, but I, I don't put nearly as much time into it as I should. Uh, and I think I say that maybe in three months, I'll be back on that YouTube grind and I'll be back there. My problem is I could never stick to one thing. So I think there's like, there's people that like perfect their TikTok and that's it. Like they, they focus on TikTok. And then there's people that want to be YouTubers and people that want to be streamers. I feel like I might have like adult ADD because I just, I'm like, oh, cool. Today we're, today we are streaming tomorrow. We're a YouTuber. And then we're writing a blog. Um, only thing that I think actually got me to stick was podcasting. So there you go. <laughs> Oh, I completely get you as well. Like I, my main platform, like I said, it was TikTok, right? But then I also ventured out and I did the YouTube thing and I tried to be consistent, but oh, it's so hard because I also put out content on what inspires me. And sometimes I'm like, I just don't have inspiration for a YouTube video. And then the channel is just sitting there for a little while. <laughs> but um, with my TikTok, I find, okay, I, I always know what I want to, to do. I always have these ideas, but I feel oh, sometimes YouTube can be a little a little rough with, <laughs> with that. Um, so next, again, um, kind of back on esports. I know you did a lot of um, live events, you know, before COVID. So you got to do a lot of traveling and things. Um, is it something you miss? Is it something that you're slowly starting to get back into again how's how's that with the traveling or has it still all been how has it been with COVID um is it like streaming just so type of stuff now for me um my esports career I don't think that you can make a full-time career out of esports shark casting in South Africa I just don't think there's enough events uh, I was primarily working overseas so I think 
the two years before COVID hit, I was overseas more than I was at home. Um, so I was working in Europe and, and China and I was constantly in other countries doing jobs. Then when COVID hits, obviously that all changed. The thing is it affected the whole world. So no one was traveling. So everything moved online. So if you had an online setup, you could do it, which was problematic if you're in South Africa, because we have something called load shedding where they turn the lights off, which was really difficult because there was, there was pros and cons. So the pro was that there was a lot of international work I never used to get because sometimes it just was too expensive to fly me out or too short notice to put me on a plane. Now I could get all of those jobs because obviously I wasn't, they didn't need to fly me out. I was, so long as I could broadcast from home. But then you have that situation where you commit to a five hour broadcast and there's a chance your electricity is going to go out. So I did have to spend quite a bit of money on not only upgrading the studio you see here, which don't have the whole setup, but normally there's a big green screen and I've got fancy light. Today I'm just enjoying the sunshine, but I also had to get myself an inverter make sure all of that, that my lights would stay on. But for the most part, COVID turned out really good. I was working, I got to work on some incredible events. It's really tough working on them online because you don't have that interaction with people. When you're doing a live event, especially from a commentating point of view, it's really helpful if you're with the person, you can read body language and things. But we that the last year and a half is online work. Esports really get more popular in South Africa during COVID because I think people were online. So I got a lot more South African work than I normally would. And I could take it on alongside the international work because there was no traveling, which was great. Obviously now it's a little bit difficult because with all the red lists and travel bans that have come into place, a lot of that overseas work, we just can't commit. We don't know if and when we're going to be allowed to fly. They they lift a travel ban and then three weeks later, they, they put another one in. Uh, so I don't know what it'll look like in the future. I don't know how soon it'll be before I'm back at LAN, which is a, a live event overseas. Um, and also in South Africa, we're being very careful about live events, but slowly but surely we're starting to see them. So fingers crossed, I'm hoping in 2022, we have a little bit of normalcy like return because my feet are itching. I want to get on a plane. I'm not used to being in one place for this long. I am a little bit of a gypsy. So I, I want to go and be a gypsy for a while, uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Obviously at this point, I think after all this time, I don't even try guess what's coming because you just can't anymore with COVID. So we'll just have to wait and see. But it sounds like, you know, so fun, you know. Um, okay. If you had stayed, you know, with maybe your traditional career path with the journalism, would you have gotten to travel? I'm going to say this now. It's going to sound like I'm, I'm, I mean, I sound like I'm, I'm bragging and I don't know. want to do that, but it is cool. And I'm, I'm learning this whole new thing of like accepting that cool things are cool and you can talk about them. I have been to every continent except I think it's Antarctica and Greenland and Australia. So I've been to Asia, the Middle East, Europe, North America, South America. Like I've been to so many places. If I said I could list, I've been like, I mean, I would list them all, but there's so many. None of that would have happened without this career path. I have got to ultimately travel the world. I've been to, I mean, I went to, like China, Argent, I've been to Argentina. I've like, it's just been, I, I was in the Ukraine. I used to live there for like five weeks at a time. I got to go to Chernobyl and see it with my own eyes. I mean, and that's all because of this job. So when I look back, it's just been incredible. And if it means that if, you know, if COVID is such that we, that I never get to do that again, 
I don't care because I just look back and I'm like, I've had such amazing experiences from a job that one wasn't a job in my mind ever. I never thought that this would be paying to have a roof over my head. And two is not something that I actively sought out. It, it was kind of something that I accidentally fell into and it's been so incredibly cool. And I'm so grateful for the opportunities I've had. If I never have another one, it's okay. Cause I've just seen so much cool stuff. And I hope that other people get similar life experiences if this is the career path they choose, because it's amazing. No, really. It, it also makes me so excited just hearing stories like that, you know, from someone who's been in the, if I could say, creative industry for a longer time, because even me, myself, like I haven't been in this for that long. Um, I've only been doing this for maybe three years, and I'd say maybe the past year and a half has only been really, really serious. Um, but from someone starting out hearing this from someone who's been in this a lot long, it's very inspiring and really gets me excited. I'm sure any listeners as well were thinking about content creation or things, you know, it really <laughs> gets us going. Um, do you have any moments, you know, from any of the events you maybe attended um, that just stick in your mind that just... A wow moment. I mean, I think there's so two. So the first one is my first ever overseas event. Happened to be at Gamescom, which is the biggest gaming expo in Europe, on the ESL stage. ESL is one of the biggest esports producers and, and tournament organizers in the world. I don't know how I got that gig, but I did. Uh, my plane got delayed by like hours. They lost my luggage. I think I cried most of the way there. And then that moment where I got there. And I got to walk out and I, and for the first time, I mean, this is what's really scary. So like at that time, I'd never had an in-ear in my ear before, which is, it's basically a little headphone that goes into your ear where the producer can talk to you. In South Africa, we weren't using those. So I didn't know what it sounded like. And I didn't want to tell anyone there because they'd hired me for this job, right? So I didn't want anyone to know that I had no cooking clue what was going on. It was the first time I had someone counting me down in my ear saying, you're going to be live in three, two. And I was just like, that moment terrifying absolutely terrifying but also incredible I think that one will always stand out for me um and I've also decided if I ever stop feeling the way I felt in that moment just before we go live I'm probably done like I should retire and then I think the second moment for me was I did an event called um, the PUBG, PUBG Europe League. Um, I got onto the main league, which is basically a tier, what they call a tier one broadcast. It's the top level of competition for that title. And I got asked to come in as a stand-in to do interviews. Um, for me, because it was my tier one job, but also the entire broadcast team I was working with were like my heroes. These were people that I'd watched growing up that I was just such a huge fan of. And I got to walk into like a green room while they're all getting their makeup done and just be like, wow. Like, I mean, I try to play it cool. Like I did try to play it cool, but inside I was just like, wow. Like, did you know, that's, that's freaking like Pansy is, uh, there's, there's a caster called Pansy. who's just like, she's my hero. I love her. She's been my motivation to get into this. And I'm like, oh, this, this you know, that's Pansy getting her makeup done. Like, ah! and now she's my friend and she's talking to me because we're like talking about the broadcast. And I'm like, I mean, I love how someone talks to me about a broadcast. I'm like, well, you're not my best friend. But I mean, at the time I was just like, yeah, she is. She's, you know, she's talking, she's talking to me about this. Like, this is Pansy talking to me about this. Um, she actually taught me how to ride an electric scooter as well. So there's that, but it was amazing. Like for me, that was just amazing being able to work with your idols and, and feel like, Again, I just, I never, ever want to forget that, like, that complete feeling of awe. Because I think a lot of people will say, like, you need to play cool. 
And you know, you like if I see someone that I'm a fan of, like I'm just gonna tell them, like, oh, I love you. Like I am like it's super awkward and uncomfortable. But even I mean, even the the people I worked with on that broadcast, I was like, I'm just I love your work. Like you're so cool. Like, and I'm okay with that because I, I think that it it just speaks to the impact they've had on me. And I hope that one day if I'm working with someone, they I've had the same impact on them. This got so sobby. There we go. There's my two highlights. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it makes us go ah. <laughs> um, but again, just like listening to you know your experiences coming from, you know, back when you kind of started. Um, have you had like what type of, or have you had any sort of let's say how do I say um, like personal type of growth when it comes to like speaking and communicating and that type of things, because, you know, doing esports broadcasting is again, so different from the journalism, which is like the writing and things, or um, were these types of skills that you maybe developed on the job or how did you kind of like develop that? I think naturally, and work I on that like skill? talking rubbish. So that helps. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> I think my journalism background helped because I'd worked in radio for a bit. So there was obviously that, but you do learn, you learn a lot on the job. You learn, about you know how to talk what to wear you know how to fix I think the biggest thing you learn is especially on a live broadcast and this doesn't matter whether it's esports or anything else anything live do you know how fast you learn to think on your feet because when someone says in your ear that everything has fallen apart and and backstage is on fire and your job is to make sure that no one on camera knows that's happening that is a skill <laughs> that is an absolute <laughs> skill that you learn and the only time you learn it is when you don't know how to say nothing on fire like everything's on fire and you you have a complete breakdown on camera which you've had so I think like all of those things are things you learn on the job and then you learn from the people around you like I'm always every time I work with someone like I'll ask them questions no matter who they are it doesn't matter if it's their first broadcast or they've got like 30 broadcasts I'll speak to them I'll get a feel for what they do I'll ask them what they like what they don't like you just learn from people as you go but like I mean I've still got a long way to go um but yeah, I think it's, it's, you just learn that stuff on the job and also trial and error. Sometimes you'll do something and everyone will hate it. And so you'll go back to the drawing board and change it. But from like a communication point of view, I think it's just the more you do it, the more you learn, hopefully the better you get. So I say that, I mean, I think I could be much better considering how long I've done it. And I'm sure there's people that have done it for longer that could be better, but it's just, you know, you just learn to, to figure out how to talk to people I don't know if that answered your question, but there you go. No, it, it really does, really does. Like just hearing your experiences as well. Like I said, coming from an outsider, this hearing about this new industry and field is everything is just so interesting and so amazing. And I know to you it might sound like, oh, you know, this is just normal stuff. But yeah. Um, so when it comes to, you know, um, creating content and things, you know, we have access to so many like different opportunities, you know, things that you never thought you would be able to do. Um, do you have any other interest um, if I could say like any other field maybe you would like to branch off into um, like anything like even if it's wild like would you be open to like any sort of acting opportunities or um, I want to comment you know, that Formula One um, or some sort of motorsports I wouldn't mind commentating okay. some sort of yeah, motorsports yeah, yeah. I'd love to try my hand at commentating rugby I know nothing about rugby I think it would be fun but yeah, I'd love to like give traditional sports a go. And then also, do you know what I've always wanted to do? And this is actually in your line. So this is really weird. 
You're going to love this. Okay. I have always wanted to do an investigative podcast series on the beauty industry. So telling people, but like full on investigation, dig deep, ask the questions, like things like, because I think that like a lot of people don't know. So for example, with hair extensions, how, I mean, I found this out recently where a lot of these like very expensive hair extensions, like there are girls who are like slaves, like they're having to grow their hair and having it cut off for these, for hair extensions. And they're like, they, they're slaves ultimately, or, you know, and how damaging it is to them and how abusive it can be. For, for hair extensions. Like I want to investigate that. I want to see if it's true. Then I want to do a whole episode on things like collagen. And I want an actual doctor, like lots of doctors, not just one to come and talk to me about whether or not collagen works. Like, and the good, the bad, and ugly about Botox. Like I was, I had this whole thing and I actually wrote this all down once where I was like, as someone who is not in the industry, let me come in and ask all the questions because I want to know the truth. That's something that I really want to do. I'll probably never do it. But it's, I mean, that's a lot of work, but that was always in the back of my head. Commentating sports is something maybe I'd look into, but at some points, I don't want to be in front of a camera anymore. So I need to figure out, I'd love, I'd love to produce live events as well. Um, so I just need to figure out. So it'll either be this really weird investigative podcast that will probably never happen. Uh, or I wouldn't mind. I think realistically producing live events may be in my future, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Oh, but that's so really cool. Um, and then one of the final things I also want to ask is what advice would you give to like fellow South Africans um, who are interested in getting into either, you know, the professional gaming scene or even if they want to go into, you know, esports, um, be it the commentating side or the gaming side, you know, how to, how um, to get into this? So I always, this is a tough question for me because I get asked it a lot and like there's a positive answer that I can give you that's all very airy-fairy, but I'd rather be honest and say, you need to come in with your eyes open. Um, this is a tough industry and much like anything else, whether it be television or movies or professional sports, like a very select few can turn it into a viable career and the majority don't. So if you come in knowing that that's the mountain you have to climb and being willing to climb it and being willing to put in the work, uh, I think that's that's really important. And then the best advice I could give as well is ask people. Because I see so many people come in and they think they know everything. Like just ask because, it. and again, like I said, it doesn't matter if someone's never done a broadcast, I can assure you you can learn something from them. Like I learn stuff from people every day. If you just ask and you're open to it, you'll be able to learn and improve. So just always be willing to learn and never, and, and always remain humble enough to listen to other people and learn from them. Because I think the moment you, you get even a little bit of an ego and this counts for a professional player or someone in broadcast, like you're done. Like that's your, then you've peaked. You'll not be able to go further. So just always be willing to, to be open to criticism, not criticism from like random people on Reddit, like criticism from your peers um and and learn from people that that would be my best advice wow thank you so much and that that's some really really good points um and then i'm going to switch things up a bit right now and i'm going to ask you a series oh, of no. rapid fire questions um so just it's like high school <laughs> i don't want to do it random but also just feel sick my tummy sore i promise it's super easy and just answer whatever comes at the top of your head um okay so i'm going to start uh, i'll start off really easy um what's one of your favorite games mortal kombat 3 
Oh, <laughs> um, what is one device you can't live without while traveling? My smartphone. Oh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, favorite podcast to listen to at the moment? There's this one that I listened to and I've forgotten its name, but oh, the crypto, it's called the Crypto Queen. It's about this crazy chick who sold, who sold like weird crypto, but it wasn't really crypto and she ripped lots of people off and then she disappeared and I think she had secret plastic surgery and it's very interesting. I think it's done by oh, the wait. BBC, but I might oh, be wow, wrong. Okay. I'm just talking really fast because you said quick fire. So we're going first. Okay. Go to Christmas movie. Die hard every time. <laughs> um, I know. And last one. <laughs> um, what object do you misplace or lose the most? My smartphone. <laughs> <laughs> Can't live without it, but also yeah. likes to disappear. I lose it all. I lose it all the time, and then I always leave it on silence. So. When people oh. are like, should I just phone in for you? I'm like, no. Do you know how many times I've, and also, do you know what I love to do? I'll just put it down. Like I'll be out in public, especially at an event, and I will put it down and I'll leave. And then like an hour later, I'll be like, where did I put my phone? To so this day, touch wood, never lost. Like it's, it's always been where I put it, but wow. it takes me like 30 minutes trying to remember where I put it. Yeah. And it's always on silence. So I, oh that's, that is, it's a very bad habit of mine. <laughs> Also, now anyone who ever sees me at an event, just follow me around if you want a free phone, because at some point I put it down and like you can just pick it up. Oh, goodness. Okay, but you did say you do a lot of events overseas. Do that in South Africa. The phone is gone. I mean, it's gone overseas as well, I'm sure. I've been at events where like my friends have had overseas events where like a switch is stolen or whatever. My phone keeps surviving. I've been very lucky. Uh, now that I've spoken this into existence, though, not so much. So I better tie it to me or something. <laughs> and with that we have come to an end um of today's episode and sam thank you so so much for joining me taking your time and joining me here today um like i said i am from very different um niche and industry but it's just so insightful and i know to you it might think what but you know what i was just saying whatever but really um and as well to everyone else that's listening that's not typically in this industry i think we've learned so much just from listening to your experiences um and also thank you to everyone who tuned in to today's episode of spotlight and i will be back with another episode <laughs>